presence in this place. And let me just say, for the past four months, uh, I just want to give honor to honor, to whom honor is due to Pastor Abby and her husband, Kurt, for, uh, and their team for the way that they have organized worship, uh, sung into microphones, into cameras, into computers and phones to, to provide uh, quarantine worship that has just been extraordinary. So thank you to everybody that has had their hand in on worship for the past uh, four, four and a half months. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn toward the book of Psalms, chapter 118. Psalms 118, verse 24, and I love having people to blame, so uh, I, today I'm going to actually get to blame a college professor for why I am covering the message that I am covering. I have been, it's been a thrill to get uh, such a phenomenal f- amount of great feedback from people that have just enjoyed our spin series as we've just been identifying very popular, very well-known scriptures and wanting to make sure that we are not spinning it in directions that we wanted to go, but actually uh, learning how to not just read them for what they really mean, but it ha- the series has been about us reading the Bible and understanding it better as, as, as believers. So um, Psalms 118, verse, uh, 20, verse 24, just simply says, um, if you know the verse, you can probably say it by memory, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, the translation we're using is the New Living Translation. It says, let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is, uh, I grew up on the song, This is the Day, which I would not attempt to sing to you as to ruin the song for you. Um, but I, I love the, I've loved the scripture. I've quoted the scripture uh, so many times in prayers over our congregation and encouragement toward people. And today we get to dive into this amazing, amazing scripture. Um, I don't know if you've got go-to movies that you just, they're your go-to flicks that you watch when when you've got nothing else to watch. And right now, I think we're all in the state where we have uh, completely exhausted Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and we're resorting to maybe old family videos from old uh, vacations from years ago. We're starving for something, but sometimes you have those go-to movies that you just go to when you've got nothing else to watch, and you can watch it any day, any time. Like, I've got a number of Christian movies I like to watch, like Nacho Libre, um, The Martian. I've got uh, Master and Commander, which if you've never seen that, great, great, great flick. In fact, it's what I listen to when I paint the house. I love Master and Commander. Um, but one of my go-to movies, and I think it's a great movie, I watch it all year long, but especially it is, you have to watch it. It's like an American law. You have to watch it every February the 2nd. And the movie is simply called Groundhog's Day. Great, great Christian flick. And honestly, if you're new here, new to watching, they're not really Christian movies. But uh, I love Groundhog's Day, and I'm not going to give away too many spoilers, but the premise is this weatherman travels to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and he is going to watch the groundhog come out, see if he sees the shadow, and then he doesn't even want to be there, and his idea is, I'm going to go, do the news report there, do the whole groundhog's thing, and go home. But the problem is, is he can't go home, so when he goes, goes to bed, he wakes up, and all of a sudden, it's Groundhog's Day all over again. And he's confused, and so he goes throughout that day, does what he's supposed to do, goes to bed, wakes up, and it's Groundhog's Day. And he is stuck in one day over and over and over again. And we have no idea. Ethan and I just had this conversation on a hike the other day, whether the hike or somewhere, where we're trying to try to 
guess how long he was stuck in one day because at one point he gets depressed he is bummed out and he is just he's got so many dark thoughts and things because he is stuck in one day and he can't get out he can't develop friendships he can't really go anywhere he's stuck in one 24-hour day forever and then all of a sudden he breaks out of that mindset and begins to realize i can do something with this and by the end of the movie he has taken so many piano lessons so that tells you he's been ground on that one day for a long time he's taken so many piano lessons he has joined a band and he plays in a concert he has learned russian french poetry he has learned how to ice sculpt um again it begs that that that's the question how many days or maybe how many years has been he have been stuck in one day and so honestly when i thought about the scripture this is the day the lord has made honestly my mind went to groundhog's day because I, i think that some of us maybe get stuck into a day or a mode of of how life has treated us or how life has handed to us. And for, for there are times that I've looked at this scripture that uh, for those watching at home, you see that on your screen and you've looked at that and there are times that you've used that to encourage yourself that says, well, this day stinks, but you know what? It's the day the Lord has made. I need to rejoice and be glad in it. And there is some truth to that. But like Groundhog's Day, I think there are sometimes we, we can really come to grips with the reality that, you know what? It's It's not just a day God has given us, but God has done something significant in this day. He has placed me in this day and he has saved me within this day. And so therefore, just like Phil on Groundhog's Day, we can begin to say, you know what? Instead of being a casualty to life that has happened to me on this day, I can begin to take some steps forward and actually do something with this day because behold, this is the day that God has given me. Therefore, I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna interact. I'm not just going to be a casualty of what has happened i'm just going to recognize that god is good here but i'm going to realize that there's not just a recognition of the day of the lord it is a responsibility to live the way god wants me to live it's a wonderful scripture now the person i will blame i love blaming people it's wonderful it's freeing um it's it's wrong too but hey we're gonna have fun today uh dr brian lidbeck he is a professor at north central bible college when uh months ago i tossed this out to a bunch of pastors just saying hey what do you think of this series any scriptures i'm missing out on and so pastor brian sent me a message he says just consider psalms 118 verse 24 and i'm like well, I don't want you to tell me I'm reading it wrong because I've always read it the same way and I don't want to be told I'm reading it the wrong way. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want that attitude in anybody, so I better not have the attitude. And he began to talk about this specific verse and this is what he said. He said, this verse doesn't necessarily mean a day of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It doesn't necessarily mean a day of the week, like a day out of creation, but specifically the day of salvation. The psalmist is trying to recognize that he's really trying to give a spotlight toward a moment of of rescue that God has given him. The psalmist, which is actually David here, David is saying, God rescued me. God came and saved me in this moment. And so therefore, this is the day God gave me. It's a day of salvation. Therefore, I need to not forget what God has done. I need to recognize it because it empowers me with responsibility, not just to receive salvation, but to begin to live out my salvation. 
And I wonder, I just wonder if perhaps the reason why we have so many angry Christians right now is because we have Christians who are forgetful for what God has truly done. I am convinced that when I forget about what God has done in my life, when I begin to forget what God has is still doing, when I forget that God has vision and direction for my life, when I tend to forget about it, I tend to get angry. I tend to get fearful. I tend to feel, get filled with anxiety and worry. I tend to go into tangents. I tend to go on social media and try to blast people. I tend, I tend to start making blogs about things that I don't like about humanity. It's amazing the type of response that we can get when we just simply get forgetful about the goodness and the grace of God that we've already sung about today. We lose sight of what Christ has done and what he's doing. And what we end up doing is when we lose sight of the salvation day, when we lose sight about, from, about what God has done in our life, we tend to default toward what we would call the patterns of this world. Paul deals with this. He said, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we can default to dealing with things the way everybody else in the world de deals with it, as opposed to dealing with life the way somebody who has met and encountered Jesus and decided to follow him. And that's what the psalmist is truly getting after. And so that really, it really brings us to the point where it says that we need a new pattern of life. This scripture says it's time to embrace a new pattern of life now I love talking about patterns because when I talk about patterns and I've taught on patterns in numbers of venues actually when I talk about patterns I love bringing up one of the best things that ever happened to humanity in the history of humanity I know I just set the bar really high it's the game pac-man if you don't like pac-man I don't know what to speak to you but I'm just gonna pray for salvation or something because I I love, love old school Pac-Man. I will admit, Mrs. Pac-Man is just a little bit better. But I love, I love old school video games. And when I was a kid, uh, whenever I found a quarter, uh, a quarter would just get saved away in a little bag, in this little like uh, plastic bag, a little Ziploc that would just put quarters in there. Because when I went to my grandparents' house, a couple blocks down the street from them was a store called In-N-Out and they had arcade games. And so my quarters were saved for arcade games. We had no, we really didn't have game consoles like they have now. I had the television, but it, you just wanted to get over it. You wanted to play Donkey Kong. You wanted to play one of the greatest games of all time, Centipede, which I could destroy on Centipede, but Pac-Man was the go-to. And this is the beauty, because some people would play Pac-Man in such a way that the goal was, if you could eat the little pellets and just stay away from the ghosts, and if you ate a power pellet, then you can eat the ghosts, but the goal was to clear the whole board. And so that you, people thought the name of the game was if you just stay away from ghosts and eat the power pellets, you'll be okay. Until people begin to discover that the game actually had a pattern, that every ghost had a pattern. And if you, can, if you knew how the ghosts were going to respond and you knew and caught the pattern, you can actually clear board after board after board. And it's amazing how long a kid could stay on a video game for just 25 cents. It was, it was like the world's best babysitter, it was wonderful. And, when we think about life, some of us think life is just, it's Pac-Man. If we just stay away from the ghost, we just stay away from sin. We just stay away from sin. And every once in a while, we'll get to the power pellets. Those are our Sunday mornings. We'll make Sunday mornings the power pellets. If we can just get to a few Sundays, if we can just stay away from sin, then that's just what life is all about. But that's a pattern that I feel like we need to break out of because there's more than just being stuck in a pattern of life. I think there's more than just being stuck in a, into a casualty of how life is just happening. And we show up and we have a hard time worshiping. And then we live out throughout the week and we have a hard time focusing. And we're wondering, God, where are 
are you in all of this? And that's what I feel like Psalms 118 just helps us with because it helps us to understand a celebration of the day of salvation. The whole chapter of Psalms 118 is beautiful. I would challenge you to read it today because we've told you when you read a scripture, take a step back and read both scriptures on either side. Then take a step back and read the paragraph. Take a step back and read the rest of the chapter and you will get almost like this stepping back mode of seeing the entire scripture for what it is. And you really begin to see that the entire chapter is one chapter celebrating God's salvation for him. And this is what's cool, is if you haven't read the chapter, is within the chapter, there's actually a reference to the Messiah that would come one day. You see, David, in one moment, is celebrating that God redeemed him and saved him. But it also has a hint that one day, that a salvation would come that would do more than just redeem somebody for a moment, or someone for a battle. It would redeem us completely from the inside out and set us free. It's also speaking of Jesus. And so when I think about salvation, when I think about the theme of this chapter, let's not get stuck into a pattern of just flowing through life, avoiding the sin that's trying to get us, but what if we set a new pattern for our lives? What if we had a new pattern, not for a month, not just for a week, but for every day? That's what I wanna help you out with today. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, how do we create a new pattern for life according to Psalms 118, verse 25? In fact, we could just say according to Psalms 118. What do we do? Number one, write this down. Make every single day a day of salvation. Make every day a day of salvation. This is something my youth pastor taught me years ago when he said, when he talked about asking Jesus into your heart, asking Jesus into your life, and he says, well, do you do it every day? I said, no, I raised my hand once. Isn't that good? He says, he says well, yeah, that's a good thing. He says, and he began to challenge me. He says, why do you make one decision? Shouldn't we make decisions every single day to follow after Jesus? And I remember the challenge as a 12-year-old for my youth pastor, just speaking into my life, making me realize that, you know what, some of us make saved as a stopping point instead of making saved as a mode of life and as a journey that we are on. In fact, I love talking to people about the word saved because I think it's a very funny word. The word saved means this, I was saved at the cross. I am being saved daily, which means the work isn't done in me, and I am fully saved one day in heaven. Um, this is, if we had if this whole worship center filled, I would, hear, I would hear say, touch your neighbor and say, you're not done yet. I would have you remind your neighbor that they're not a finished product. I love reminding people that because it reminds us, oh, we still have growth to do. We still have work to do. There are still things in our lives that need to be shaped. There's still a sin thing that's going on in our life because when you're saved at the cross, you are saved from the penalty of sin. But guess what? We're not completely saved out of. We still face... We still face the power of sin that wants to wrestle with our flesh. We still have habits of sin that we still wrestle with that we're working through. And so I was saved, but I'm being saved day by day by day. We are not finished products. And so therefore, you and I have a responsibility to do something that Jesus said to do. And he said to daily take up your cross and to follow him. That's Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus speaking, not Dave, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. For every Middle Eastern uh, reader or hearer, the idea of a cross meant death. It was destruction. And the idea is, the life that I live right now, I am putting that to death 
Everything that wants to do the opposite of Jesus, I take up my cross. I'm choosing death over that aspect of my life in order to embrace a life that chooses Christ. I'm saying death to that, which isn't of Christ, to, uh, to saying yes to life that is of Jesus. So when Jesus says every single day, and I love the word daily there, Every single day, take up your cross and follow me. Every single day, it's time to put to death that which doesn't belong to the life of Christ and to pick it up, to embrace that which follows Jesus Christ. But understand, when we stop bearing our cross every day, we forget that we need the cross every day. When we stop bearing our cross every single day, sometimes we just forget that we need the cross every day. I've had people ask me for years, Pastor, when at the end of a service, when you have people raise their hands for salvation, how many times do the same people lift up their hands? I'm like, oh, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Should you talk to them? I said, actually, I do have some conversations, but and sometimes people ignore those conversations and they just want to keep committing their lives to, to, to Jesus every Sunday. They're like, are you going to stop them? I said, absolutely not, because I think that's actually more accurate. To Every single time I wake up and show up, I want to make sure that every day is my day of salvation. I believe that I think some of us just lose sight on how precious it is to embrace the salvation of God. Some of us have forgotten what it was like before we met Jesus. And I'm telling you, every single day, there is just a pattern in my life that I want to make sure every day that I live, that I start off my mornings, when I'm spending time in prayer, I, I literally say, Jesus, you know what? It's, it's a new day. Come into my life one more time. Work in my life in a brand new way. And it may sound very elementary, but we can make elementary decisions without living elementary lives. We can make elementary decisions to follow Jesus without living elementary lives. It's a simple decision, but it has profound effect. And I believe that we can look at every day and say, this day can be my day of salvation, which leads me to number two. So if we make every single day a day of salvation, we can then develop daily rhythms of celebration. So if day is a day of salvation, we should make daily rhythms throughout the day of celebration. This is huge. This is a huge thing because I've had people say, how do you make it through the day, Pastor Dave? What do you do in your relationship with God? You probably spend like six hours in prayer and then you read the entire book of Leviticus and you're super spiritual, you do all these things. And I'm like, man, you're really painting me in a better picture than what I really am. But I think one of the things that has helped rescue me and helped me in terms of daily patterns of following Jesus is not just starting off a morning and just dedicating my life fresh and new to the Lord is I make sure that I have daily patterns of celebrating what God is doing. Think of it this way. Yesterday was already published. We pre-produce tomorrow by how we respond today. Yesterday, some of us live in yesterday, but understand you can't change yesterday. It's, it's already published, but we can actually begin to invest in what happens tomorrow based upon what we are doing today. God wants us to live in this moment looking forward to what's ahead. The enemy wants us to look forward in order to go back and to live in a spot, but God has called us to so much more because if we can look at every day and confess our faith in the Lord, we can truly say in Psalms 118 that this is my salvation day and therefore I can point my life in this direction and rejoice be glad and take ownership of that and I love if you look at the entirety of the psalm we don't have time to read the psalm psalm 118 David fills the psalm 
with the testimony of how God has saved him and rescued him. Read about it. He fills it. Talk about the unfailing love. I believe he repeats that four times in this song. Talks about the unfailing love. He can't stop just talking about it because as he begins, it's like he begins to pour something out and it begins to fill up the entire chapter. There's something about taking what you've got and pouring that out and letting it begin to be the atmosphere of your life. And I believe that's something that God wants to challenge the church today is to be careful about the type of atmosphere you and I are giving off. That we can either have an atmosphere that creates this view that God is angry or that God is bitter, that God doesn't like us, or that God has forgotten about us. But I believe that it's time for the believers, the time for people that are full of Jesus and full of faith, just begin to celebrate what God is doing and begin to develop this atmosphere that changes the hearts and lives of people around them because they begin to see a pattern in us that stems from our salvation. I found myself in John chapter 12 earlier this week and reading about this woman who approached Jesus and she had this, uh, this unbelievable perfume, this anointing oil, and she breaks it, and she begins to, it begins to drip upon Jesus, and it drips upon his feet, and she begins to wash his feet. Now, it seems maybe it seemed odd to you to have somebody just walk up and wash your feet, but in this culture, it was a very honoring thing. And not only did she wipe his feet, but she began to cry, and she actually used her hair to wipe his feet. And there's, this, there's a lot of cultural context we don't have time to get in, but there is a specific scripture that I, I found myself just settling on. And it's John chapter 12, verse 3, and it says, the house was filled with the fragrance. The house was filled with the fragrance. Um, I think I put the wrong verse up there. It's my bad. The house was filled with the fragrance. Um, when it comes to what Mary did in that moment, when it comes to that moment, she poured out that what she had, and she began to wipe with her hair the feet of the Savior that had nobody washing his feet and cleaning his feet from a long journey. But it's there that when she began to walk away, I don't believe necessarily that the fragrance of the room filled because she dripped some perfume or some anointing oil upon Jesus. But I believe not as she began to wipe his feet and as she stood and she walked out, that which she poured out began to be that which poured out of her life poured out of her hair, wherever she went, what you're willing to pour out is what you choose to carry with you. What she poured out, she carried with her through the rest of the home, through the rest of the room. If she went out into the highways and the byways of life, that what she poured out is that what she carried out. And for some of us here, we need to start pouring out some celebration. If you want to carry out celebration, if you want to have that atmosphere, you got to pour it out of your life. And I believe it's time that us as the body of Christ begin to pour out praise. If God has saved you, if God has redeemed you, if Christ has come into your life, then it's time that we become a people that develop a different pattern of cell, a different pattern to our life. You can follow the pattern of the world. You can follow the pattern of the news outlet that you choose to watch. You can follow the pattern of social media. You can follow the pattern of this person or that person. But if what if we as the body of Christ choose a pattern of celebration? We're saying, Pastor, what do we have to celebrate? How about this? How far has God brought you? What has God done in your life? 
What if you celebrate? Here's a mind-blowing thing. What if we celebrated what God was doing in somebody else? I think that, would, that could transform the church worldwide if we stopped worrying about what God was doing in our life and started like noticing what is God doing in somebody else's life. I believe it would heal the body of Christ. What if we celebrated God's goodness in other people? What if we just simply opened up the scripture and began, started with Psalms 118 and celebrated what God did in David's life and began to see what God, what could you do in my life? I love this. What if we celebrated what God might do next? I didn't say what God will do next because sometimes I don't know what God will do next. But there are times that my praise in my office is transformed because I've stopped complaining about what wasn't going on and I begin to prophesy in celebration saying, God, this is what you could do next in KFIRS. This is what you could do next in my life. This is what you could do next in our community. And it's in these moments that they are healing moments because when we begin to rise above the patterns of this world and begin to embrace us salvation and begin to celebrate our salvation something transforms in us in the message translation the scripture says in psalms 118 this is the very day god acted so let's celebrate and be festive celebration is healing to your soul in fact, celebration when it comes to brains, neurobiologists have known that celebration causes the release of the chemical dopamine in our brains. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter responsible for concentration, focus, and motivation. Celebration simultaneously lowers cortisol levels. Cortisol, listen to this, cortisol inhibits um, learning, it increases anxiety, and it promotes premature brain aging. So there is a part of a chemical in our brain that wants to, that wants to increase anxiety, promote premature aging, and inhibit learning. But when we choose to celebrate, and let me tell you, sometimes celebration isn't very natural, but when there is a decision to look at what God is doing, to celebrate that, hey, I gave my life to Christ today again and fresh, and I'm looking at the salvation, and I'm choosing to celebrate the cross. I'm choosing to celebrate the resurrection. I'm choosing to celebrate God's goodness. I'm choosing to worship to the song and begin to lift my faith. I'm choosing to look at what good God is doing in this world. I'm celebrating my friends. I'm celebrating my church family. I'm celebrating I have one more breath to breathe. It's amazing that when we begin to step in celebration, that the way that God formed and fashioned you as a human being has the power to bring healing to your mind. When scripture talks about the renewing of the mind, man, we're talking about faith in Christ, but it's amazing that God has literally fashioned our bodies that when we celebrate, when we lift up our hands, when we clap our hands, when we celebrate his goodness, that literally it helps us with concentration, focus, and motivation. It gives us vision for a greater place. It gives us hope for tomorrow if we just learn to fill our lives with patterns and celebrations. There is payoff. Worship can be self-healing. Celebration can be self-healing. Praise can be self-healing. Why God has built us this way. I think some of us are, are waiting for someone to give us a word. I've had people say, Pastor, I need, I need you to just give me a word, and I will do my best. But one of my biggest words is, you know what? Hang up the phone with me. Turn on some worship music and get along with God and begin to lift up his name. Begin to talk about his goodness. Begin to talk about his grace. And it's more than just a pep talk. This, I believe the Spirit of God comes in that moment and begins to help set your heart into a place of healing and restoration because that's what he's built us to be and do. Number three, so we've got more than just we give our lives to Christ and make every day, every day, let's make every day a day of salvation. And secondly, let's do more than just have a daily pattern of celebration, 
But thirdly, let's make sure that we live out our salvation. The psalmist says, this is the day the Lord has made. This is your salvation day. And if it's your salvation day, then rejoice and be glad. Engage in it. We experience salvation, we carry it. We experience it, we carry it. But the problem is, is we mimic a broken world and then we interact with a broken culture. We match a broken world and what they do and we go into a broken culture. Well, this person was hating on me, so I hated them back. This person said this, so I responded back in kind. This person did this to me, so I'm getting them back in kind. But we can't respond to brokenness with brokenness. We have to live out a kingdom culture in a broken context. Earlier this week, I wrote down in my journal, perhaps the people in our lives could see salvation better if we daily displayed salvation through our lives. Perhaps the people in our lives could see salvation better if we daily displayed salvation through our lives. We are called not just to experience it daily and then to create patterns, but we're called to actually live it out everywhere we go, bringing the fragrance of salvation to every room, to every classroom, to every restaurant, to every shopping place, that everywhere we go, we would bring the fragrance of the day of salvation with us. Psalm 51 verse 12 is such an amazing psalm. If you're new to Christianity or new to reading scripture, David, um, who is my favorite uh, person in all of scripture outside of Jesus, I love David, uh, not just because he's got a cool name, it's just his life is fascinating. He is so human. And Psalm 51 was written out of a broken place where David committed adultery and really committed murder uh, he lied. I mean, it was just a big old mess. And Psalm 51 is a beautiful psalm of him calling out to God and asking for forgiveness. And in verse 12, I love verse 12, he says to me, restore the joy of, my, of your salvation. I used to quote it, restore the joy of my salvation. And then I realized I've been saying it wrong all these years. It says, restore the joy of your salvation. What does that tell you right there? It means that this salvation was not David's ability to achieve. It was God's to give. And it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's that reminder that salvation didn't come from us. Therefore, we don't live for ourselves. If it was our salvation and we drummed it up, we could live it for ourselves. But David receives the salvation, not so he can live for himself. He receives something from God that he may live for God. And then he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. That word sustain in the Hebrew language means to lean against, to support, and to sustain. The idea is this, is when you receive salvation, that it's not just a gift that we receive, it's something that we live out. But this is the beauty of Psalm 51, is that when you're living out your salvation, you don't have to do it underneath your own power. Because the power that saves you is the same power that sustains you. The same grace that you're saved by is the same grace that empowers you to live through every tough avenue and struggle that you will ever face. We need a new pattern in life and we don't have to do it on our own. He saves us and that same power empowers us to live. I wrote this down. The same power that saves you is the same power that can sustain you through every walk of life. Abundant life is found in the pattern of embracing his salvation, celebrating it, and living it out 
be for all men. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, I ask that today that you would just meet us in this moment. And Lord, for those that are watching today, maybe watching from a living room, a bedroom, on a phone, on a computer, a laptop, Apple TV, Roku, wherever they're at, maybe somebody's driving on vacation, listening in the car, maybe even watching at a campground, wherever people are experiencing this word, Lord, I pray that right now that your spirit would just really impact hearts. And Lord, if there be somebody here today listening to the sound of this, this podcast, this video, and they just are not in a relationship, maybe just not in a right relationship with you, I ask that right now that they would not feel a lick of condemnation, Lord, but I, I pray for just conviction. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that you convict us. And Lord, I pray that there would be a moment, this moment right here would be a moment, not that people would reject you or turn away from you, but Lord, I pray right now that people would just embrace you. In fact, Lord, we as a collective body at K-First right now just simply embrace you as if it's, as if it's the first day that we have encountered Jesus. And so Lord, with all of our eyes closed and our, lives, our heart, heads are just bowed in this moment, Lord, we collectively, we just simply say, Jesus, we invite you in today. Let today be Psalms 118.24, fresh and new. We invite you in our lives today. We want today to be the day of salvation, a fresh, brand new, victorious day. Yesterday, we may have felt like a failure. Maybe yesterday we dropped the ball. Maybe yesterday wasn't our best day. But Lord, yesterday is set aside and today we, in, we begin to invest in tomorrow by, by pouring into today, saying today we choose to pick up our cross. We choose to die to our old selves and to embrace new life in you. And Lord, what I pray is this, is that, that throughout this day, we will not choose to begin to develop patterns, not just choose to develop patterns of celebration, but Spirit of God, I ask that you would help us to live out, empower us to live out our salvation. Lord, you have not come just to put a stamp of approval on the lives that we once lived, but to give us brand new life to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, and to propel us into a new life where your life becomes more evident in us. And Lord, this is what I already pray over Monday. I pray that as we wake up, that we would wake up and just simply say, Almost like in the words of Samson from the scripture, one more day, God, come into my life. God, one more day, empower me to do what you're calling me to do. I pray that our church, that our body, our community would take up a mantle of having routines, of celebration, that we begin to transform our minds and our hearts. God, I pray Lord, I pray for a greater level of celebration that would literally change people from the inside out. I love the way you constructed our bodies. That we would be people living out who you are in us. I thank you, Lord, and I celebrate you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.